Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Formula Scout podcast. Our guest today is Jake Dennis, who is currently BMW factory driver, Andretti Formula E driver and Red Bull simulator and development driver. Jake has driven almost everything. He started in go-karts, he competed in Formula Renault, FIA F3 European Championship, GP3 Series, DTM, he has done Le Mans in the LMP2 class, many iconic GT races like Bathurst 12 hours. He has also taken part in two Formula 1 tests with Red Bull Racing. Now he's fighting at the very top in the Formula E World Championship. How his shocking single-seaters comeback shaped up. How a special winning the BRDC McLaren Autosport Award was and no regretting about moving to GTs when he did so, are just some of the topics he discusses in this chat that took place during the last round of the GT World Challenge Europe in Barcelona. Hi Eric, how are you? I'm good thanks, all good. Uh, here in Barcelona for my final race of the year, so just yeah, relaxing at the moment and uh, yeah, looking forward to obviously Doing my final race and then having some time off actually, yeah. Yeah, so let's review a bit your racing career. Since your karting days, you, you've been fighting at the very top in international karting and you even won the 2010 Under 18 World Championship, I think. Yeah. And then you move on to single seaters, right? You also won the title in the first season, the yeah. first step championship. Talk us a bit about that transition because it doesn't seem to, to have been that traumatic, was it? Yeah, obviously, uh, I had a quite a successful karting career. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get um, sponsored at the age of, of 12 by the Racer Sets Foundation, uh, which then meant I had quite a extent, like excessive amount of karting, like a lot of races in Europe, uh, a lot of races worldwide uh, at a very high level. Uh, which allowed me to gain great experience again racing against some of the best carters in the world uh, and yeah obviously we had a, a successful career we won the British Championship and we won the under 18 World Championship uh, by the time I was 15 so um, yeah that was promising and then yeah obviously moving into single seaters was it's always a strange transition for any driver you know you've gone from a go-kart into a, a car which can have 250 brake horsepower, 350 brake horsepower, and obviously it's so much heavier and so much bigger, and you've got gears, you've got a clutch. So I think for anyone, it's always a uh, a challenging experience. But yeah, we managed to get to grips with it pretty quick. Like you said, we went into uh, we went into the Formula BMW Interstep Championship, and we managed to win it in our first season. Uh, and this was all basically racing in the UK. Uh, it wasn't really that high level in terms of uh, track exposure to European circuits uh, and then yeah when we moved on from this into my second years of single seaters we moved into Formula Renault uh, where we did two years um, we raced into um, uh, Northern, what was it? Yeah, European, Northern Championship. European Championship and yeah we managed to win uh, the NEC it was called back then and um, this was like again a, a high level uh, this was my first real experience of racing on proper proper European circuits, so Formula One circuits and this was a big difference compared to the UK, you know. I went from racing in the UK to maybe fifteen cars to then having I think there was thirty five or thirty seven 
Formula Renault's on track at the same time and just the whole experience of qualifying um, and then obviously having like a proper races was was a lot to learn but like I said yeah we had a really good year we managed to win it in our, in our rookie season again and yeah it was all looking pretty promising like obviously my first two years of single series we we managed to win and I was you know working well with my sponsors and everything at the same time I was still sponsored by the same people and they sponsored me for I think like uh, I was 15 until like I was uh, almost 10 years they sponsored me for um, so I'm very thankful for them like those guys basically changed my life and allowed me to be where I am today you know without these guys they uh, I wouldn't be wouldn't be where I am and yeah very fortunate for them yes and, and that year you you well, as you mentioned you won the the, the next championship and then yeah. you also got the pleasure to let's say the, to to win the, the McLaren Autosport yeah. BRDC award and you they were the, the youngest ever to, to get yeah. it yeah how, how do you recall those days how what what did it mean to you no, obviously, um, there was a lot of pressure on me to try and win the McLaren Autosport Award. Like, the other finalists were also basically drivers which came from the Formula Renault Championship. So there was there was six of us at the time, and I think four of us raced in Formula Renault. Uh, and then there was two from different championships. And um, I think it was just not expected of me to win it, but just because I'd beaten them in Formula Renault, like I had, I put a lot of pressure on myself to try and beat them again and obviously completely equal level fields. And on the, um, Oliver Rowland, who was also sponsored by the Racing Sets Foundation at the time, won it the year before I did. So there was extra pressure that an RSF driver had won it one year before I did. And then it was sort of like my turn to try and win it. And I was confident, but you obviously always have that doubt in your mind if you did a good enough job. And, um, and then on the night, uh, when they announced the winner, obviously with at the McLaren at the uh, Autosport Awards, it's called. Um, yeah, they said my name and I managed to win it. And honestly, it was such a, a a cool feeling, like to go up on stage with all the confetti, like in front of everyone, and it's like the main award of the night. Uh, like everyone is there to like to listen and hear who this young up and coming driver is, and. Um, yeah, it's a memory which I definitely won't forget, and it's still like at the front of my mind of how the whole night went, you know. And also the prize for, for winning it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the prize is obviously to get. There's a couple of prizes, but the, obviously the main one is the McLaren F1 test, and this is just surreal, you know. It's such an experience to drive a Formula One car so young. I was 17 at the time, and um, yeah, it was just your first real eye-opener of what Formula 1 cars can do and your first real like experience of a proper race car uh, because even in Formula Renault the cars are still quite pure and like um, not the most high level in terms of like downforce or power and then the next thing you know you're driving a Formula 1 car like around Silverstone with McLaren so it was a big step uh, and you don't have a massive amount of time to get up to speed you just sort of jump in and try and get as much experience as you can but it was uh, yeah, a hell of a day and definitely one of my best memories in motorsport for sure yeah, then in 2014 you stepped up to FIA F3 European Championship how difficult was was it? 
Honestly, this was probably the most difficult year I ever had in motorsport. So in 2014, I really struggled. Uh, just with getting my head around Formula 3, like, I came from, obviously, these championships which I'd won before and was super confident within myself. And then I moved to Formula 3 and I was getting... I wasn't having the best results. I was finishing, like, 7th and 8th and, like, 10th and stuff like this. I had a couple of podiums. I had, like... I think I had three podiums um, in that season. And I was just, yeah, struggling to perform at a high level. Like, I didn't really have the speed as the as my teammates uh, at the time, who was, like, Juvenazzi, um, Tom Blomqvist, um, like, Jordan King. Obviously, they all had more experience than I did. It was obviously their second or third or fourth year in Formula 3. But I still wanted to outperform them, and I, I didn't, you know. Like, I, I got beat fair and square, and it was a difficult season and definitely something which I look back on and I learned a lot from. Obviously, you always learn a lot from your difficult times. And, um, yeah, it made me a better driver today, for sure. And, uh, yeah, it was just a difficult year. I think every driver has, has them in their career and... Luckily, I haven't really had, had one since, and it's been all quite smooth as a career afterwards. But, um, yeah, it was a, a challenging time for sure. Um, yeah, um, that year, you, you shared the track with Max Verstappen, who then kind of became your teammate. As you have been in the scene for Red Bull in the, yeah. in the recent years. Do you remember battling him on track? Yeah, all the time, you know, like Max obviously raced in Formula 3 that year and um, he was obviously super successful. I think he finished third in the championship um, and was very fast. But yeah, we definitely exchanged battles out on circuit and you could tell obviously right from the start that he was very talented and was extremely young. I think he was like 16 at the time. Um, and yeah, obviously I've, I've moved on and so has he. Obviously he's now racing in Formula 1 and we both work for the same team, obviously. He's an F1 driver now, and I do the simulator work for Red Bull. And um, yeah, I still sp I speak to Max quite a lot. You know, like we generally exchange things what we want to improve on with the simulator side because it's quite important for him. Uh, and yeah, we just he's a good friend. You know, like I know Max quite well, so he's just a normal guy. He's not allowed any of this fame to go to his head, and he's a yeah he's a good he's a good lad. So yeah, I have a lot of time for Max. Um, the following year, then you you move from from Carl into to Prema, then you finish P3 in the championship, then with, with Prema, which is the team everybody wants to be with nowadays, and also back in the day. How was being a Briton in an Italian team back then? Yeah, it was an experience, but it was uh, one of my best motorsport memories, to be honest. Like the, it was a proper Italian team, but they could everyone could speak English just. Uh, luckily, the people I had around me were all. Uh, speaking good English uh, they were Italian but uh, generally yeah they could all speak well uh, but it was a great experience I was obviously up, al up alongside Felix Rosenquist uh, and Lance Stroll um, and yeah it was probably one of my most enjoyable seasons ever in motorsport like us three drivers got along really well uh, like we just became like three very good friends uh, and then inside the team atmosphere is super like a family orient orientated team uh we all wanted like the best for each other and like the owner rene rosen um yeah he's now a super good friend of mine and 
we have a lot of time for each other we often meet up and make sure like everything is good in life and yeah just have a a good relationship between everyone from that team and uh, I have a lot of time for Prema and they're definitely one of the most successful and best teams I've ever driven for you mentioned that you create a great relationship with Felix Rosenfield is there any anecdotes you can tell us any what sorry any anecdotes anecdote well like secret stories about uh, what I don't know whatever you want to tell us <laughs> uh I just now Felix is like the most relaxed and chilled out guy you'll ever meet as a racing driver. He's the most yeah not orientated like uh, data like super driven by what set, what it says on the computer screen. He's very just jumps in the race car and drives, and that taught me a lot. And I definitely took that mentality forward with me and made myself more of a driver, which is just fluid and just has like a an easy going ride about them and like I don't need to or I don't have to look at data for hours and hours to try and improve myself uh, and that's the best thing I learned from Felix um, yeah the stories we have off track are, and, and friends like <laughs> I can't mention but uh, yeah it was just a great experience uh, but even Lance obviously Lance Stroll has a lot of stick in the media uh, or used to have a lot of stick about his dad obviously buying everything and but he's like a super down-to-earth guy lance and very he's a very humble kid and nice to to speak to and he's actually super talented you know he's one of the fastest guys um on the grid in formula one now you know he's generally always like beat he was beating perez um in the in the force india or the racing point at the time and then obviously he's also you know, fighting against Vettel. So I think a lot of the the public eye gave the gave Lance a lot of stuff, like stick. But now he's generally, I think, seen as a very talented driver. Yeah, in 2015 you also did Macau. How was that experience? Uh, Macau was actually a really tough experience for me. Uh, the weekend started off not so good, just because I immediately left the pits and got a puncture. Uh, so I lost all this track time because I hit the wall, uh, the car broke, so yeah, I missed a lot of track time, but it was it was a cool experience, like I just didn't get the result I wanted, you know, uh, I think I finished 7th or 9th, I can't remember where I finished, and uh, yeah, it was just a difficult weekend from the off, uh, nothing really went our way, um, but you know, obviously, your first time at Macau is always challenging. You obviously got Felix Rosenquist next to you, in the in, who's your teammate, and he's been there like five times or six times by that point. So it was always going to be difficult to try and win the thing uh, going up against him. Uh, but nevertheless, it was a cool experience and definitely a track I want to go back to. Yeah. So do you regret? Do you say you want to go back there? I, I guess with GT cars. Do you regret? not having gone back there with Formula 3? Uh, I can't really regret it if I never had the opportunity. <laughs> so like nobody really ever, like it's quite difficult to get the call up to, to say come race for me, you know, like it doesn't happen very often. So I never really had the opportunity to go back and race. Um, I think if someone offered me the opportunity and I denied it, then for sure I would have regretted it, you know, uh, but I wouldn't have denied it. I would have gone immediately. And, and done the race so yeah it's 
hopefully something I get to do in the future. Obviously, with the current situation, it's difficult with COVID. But hopefully, in the future, GTs can can go back and start racing there, and we can. Uh, and yeah, whether and hopefully BMW can put me in the race car. Yeah, and then you move on to GP3 series. Yeah. By then, with Arden. Yeah. Was it very different from what you were used to in FIA F3 European Championship? Um, no, I think the biggest difference was just the amount of power it had. It had quite a significant amount more power, but the actual the car itself was obviously different, but it didn't take too long to get up to speed, you know. The biggest thing was trying to understand the tyre. Obviously, we went from the Hankook tyre, which is very, very robust. You can push on the tyre for the whole race, like, flat out and have no issues. Whereas in GP3 at the time, the Pirelli was super soft. Uh, there was a lot of tyre degradation. So we had to learn this whole new technique of driving, uh, which, was, which was a challenge. But I honestly think... The Arden race car package was probably one of the best on the grid, and whenever there was high, high degradation, we would always perform very well. Uh, we would always come through the field uh, by like one or two seconds a lap faster than everyone, and obviously we won some races that year. Uh, and yeah, it was obviously a, a difficult year in terms of um, like the start of the year. I think I was like 12th in the championship after the first four rounds. Uh, and then I obviously I finished fourth in the end and we scored the most points uh, out of everyone after like I think from round four onwards we scored the most points but the damage was done you know like we were out of the title basically from round from round three or four uh, we were too far back so it was unfortunate to have that many DNFs at the start with mechanical failures or people crashing and stuff like this but uh, it was a it was a good year and something uh, I enjoyed a lot and um, yeah, it was probably my last single-seater uh, race at that point in 2016 before I moved to sports cars. There was. Yeah. 2017 also with. Yeah. I think was it. It was with Audi. Audi? Yeah, with Audi with WRT. Uh, yeah, so obviously, it was a. This was like the, probably the most crucial part of my career at this point because we were. I was still sponsored at the time by the RSF, and it was just a stage of like. Do we try and push for Formula 2? Or like, do we try and move to sports cars and earn a career? And try and like start earning a living out of motorsport? And I think this was, yeah, a difficult factor like for me. I had to make the decision and it was difficult to leave my Formula 1 dream, like to leave it behind. Uh, but I don't regret it at all. And yeah, to now be obviously uh, sat here with a factory driver as as with BMW and a Formula E driver, it's uh, it's paid off and yeah I'm now a fully fledged like professional driver and it's um, yeah it's a decision I'm glad I made. Yeah, that that year, that 2017, you did the, the first three races, first three meetings for the FIA F3 yeah. European Championship. Was there a real chance to do the the full season or no. to, to help the team? No, it was purely just to help the team. Um, so that was obviously with Carlin Motorsport. And uh, yeah, so they their drivers at the time were all three rookies. And obviously one of them was Lando, um, Lando Norris. So I just came in to try and give the team some guidance. I worked with them throughout the whole of the winter, uh, doing all the winter testing with them. And they really wanted to try and take the, the title fight to Prema. 
Uh, this was their aim. And they, they just, they knew I was experienced. They knew like how I worked and obviously I raced with them before and they, they brought me in for the winter program testing and the first three rounds and it went incredibly well, you know, like uh, it was, I think we were leading the team's championship after the first three rounds. I think Lando was, I think, second or third in the championship. I think we were like fourth or fifth or something. I'm not too sure, but uh, yeah, we had podiums together immediately. Uh, Lando had some wins and yeah, it was just a great like, sort of warm up for my, for my season because uh, I was racing a lot with them. And then obviously I was also doing the Audi program in GT3. So I was kept pretty busy, but it was, uh, even if I was leading the championship, I was never going to do the the fourth round. Like it was never intended for me to happen because by that point they already had a, another customer who was uh, willing to, to race with them. Yeah. You mentioned that start to, with Audi with to your GT career and which has been, let's say, quite successful, honestly. Yeah. What are the keys to that? Because coming from single-seater, then moving to GTs, and you've been there straight away. Yes, uh, it's, it's a difficult transition moving from single-seaters to sports cars because you go from a single-seater which weighs 500 kilos to a car which then weighs 1.4 tonnes, so like 1,400 kilos. So and it's got ABS, it's got traction control, it's got a roof. So it's massively different, but I, I seem to adapt quite quickly to it. Uh, and I just enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed racing the cars. Uh, and I think this was really important because there's a lot of drivers which don't enjoy racing GT3s. Uh, so then they end up getting bored of it or they don't really find it attractive to racing. I, yeah, I loved every, every minute of it. I, I really enjoyed the racing, so. I was uh, always happy to do as many GT3 races as possible, and uh, yeah, we had we had some podiums, uh, we had some pole positions, and it was uh, yeah a great season with Audi. But uh, yeah, we obviously decided to move move away from Audi in the end and go towards uh, go towards Aston Martin instead. Yeah, and with Aston Martin, you you had one of the highlights of career in GT racing there that mighty lap of buffers <laughs> yeah that was uh describe it yeah it still gives me goosebumps now just thinking about it it was it was obviously an incredible lap uh, like just the way I the way I delivered the lap but just the whole weekend was uh, was just incredible you know the car was performing so well uh, my, my three my two teammates were super fast and um, yeah just the atmosphere around the paddock and the Aston Martin car had so much attention because it was a British brand and it was, you know, Aston Martin and the fans really got attracted towards that. So we made a lot of following uh, throughout the whole weekend. People really wanted us to do well. And um, yeah, obviously we got pole position and we finished second in the race. Uh, yeah, we lost the lead with like 10 minutes to go after a 12 hour race, which was a bit of a shame, but it was, sort of always going to happen when that final safety car came out but um it was an incredible event and yeah something which i often watch back on you know that i watched the race i watched the qualifying uh and it's yeah such a, a memorable moment in my career and it's something what really put me on the radar of i think gts as well yeah definitely it's still a great job done and then 
going to the to the present this year, well, this season you you joined BMW and you joined the Formula E team. You came back to the single seaters. How was it? Yeah, I think it was a bit of a shock for everyone. I don't think anybody really expected me to come back into single-seaters, especially with a completely different brand. Obviously, I'd done two years with Aston Martin by this point, um, and which were super successful. Um, and then all of a sudden, like it just got announced that I was a Formula E driver. And there was a lot of work going on in the background. We had, um, like my management at the time was working hard to try and make it happen. And... Uh, yeah, we did a we did a simulator test uh, with BMW at the time, and then I moved into an actual proper test uh, against uh, Max Gunther at the time, who would who went on to be my teammate. And um, yeah, it was basically just like see how fast you can drive this car. And um, I did I took the opportunity with both hands and tried to do the best job I could. And then uh, about three weeks later, I got the call to say that I would be getting the seat, uh, and that we need to make the seat now and the, we're going to Valencia in like two or three weeks time to um, for the official test and I was like bloody hell okay so <laughs> obviously it got announced everyone was like oh my god I can't believe it and that was a cool experience you know like but for me it was a super challenging like transition back to single seaters and especially with Formula E like it's not a car where you just jump in and drive naturally there's so many different things with the software and the way you drive the car which really demand like a different style of driving and um, so to get your head around this was uh, was a challenge but something which I uh, which I enjoyed and eventually obviously started to get pretty good at and understand what was needed and ended up having a successful first career in Formula E. Yeah. Why? Why did you want to make, to make that change? Uh, well Formula E is like it's only really getting bigger at the moment it's just like it's on an uphill path uh there's a lot of drivers which are wanting to do formula e and i think for, if you can try and make a name for yourself in formula e when you're when you're young uh then it's i think it's a good a good place to be and yeah we managed to sort of i think we managed to do that obviously we finished third in our championship as our rookie season and obviously have two wins pole positions and uh yeah, I think really put myself on the radar in Formula E and um, really show that what I'm capable of to the to the motorsport public. Yeah, and also, well, the brand is leaving now, you are staying, but I suppose you are also staying with BMW as well in, in sports car racing as you are involved in GT activities. Recently you went to the North Life to... Yeah. To try and get the license. Yeah. How was that experience? Yeah, it was cool. Obviously, yeah, like you said, uh, I will be staying with Andretti in Formula E. Uh, but obviously, with BMW pulling out, they need me to uh, to race in other categories. So whether that will be um, yeah GT3 or trying to get the Nordschleife permit or for the future of LMDH, uh, I really don't know. But um, yeah, the moment obviously it's great to be back in gts like i really do enjoy racing gt cars like i said so if i can try and do both uh then this will uh this will be perfect um my gt my formula e contract will uh, obviously take priority next year um uh, but i think from obviously from august onwards my season is finished in formula e and then we can try and do some gt3 races um and really try and see what this new uh, the m4 gt3 will be like 
and yeah it's just good to be staying with bmw you know they're a great manufacturer they have high expectations of their drivers and uh it's uh, it's a team which i want to try and stay with for multiple years uh, you mentioned the lmdh program which is going to start soon yeah is that the ultimate goal for you with bmw le mans and daytona to yeah i think like yeah, whether it's my ultimate goal i'm not too sure like I want to try and become Formula E champion um, at some point, whether that can happen next year or the year after, I really don't know, but I would really like to try and succeed fully in Formula E and try and complete it, uh, but the LMDH project, I think for every manufacturer is super exciting, you know, it's not just BMW which are doing it, there's so many, so many big manufacturers which are all doing it now, and I think this is attractive for, to, to any driver and any manufacturer, you know, it's going to be super competitive super high level and i think if we can try and get a good team around you and some good teammates then it should be one of the best um, best racing series out there uh, in the future so it just depends if i can do both at the same time you know like formula e and lndh it would be a very busy schedule and probably there would be clashes so it might not even be possible um so yeah we need to decide but obviously next year is just a a testing program for formula for bmw um obviously they're not racing yeah they're not racing in 2022 uh but yeah in 2023 they obviously plan to go to daytona and uh, and obviously imza so you know it's have to wait and see i really have no idea what the uh where i will end up in with the bmw whether it'll yeah. be gt3 or ndh i mean perhaps not for a full season, but those iconic races like Le Mans and Daytona. Yeah. Le Mans, you have already done in the past. I mean, we, yeah. we didn't mention it earlier, but you were one of the last drivers to, to drive the open cockpit. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was the last driver to race LMP2 in the in the open cockpit, but it was it was a cool experience uh, for sure. But um, yeah, I think, that, I think my last bucket list racetrack is Daytona. Uh, this is the one which still stands out for me, which I want to do. I think all of the others I've done. So if I can try and do this race in uh, in the GT4, uh, in the M4, uh, GT3, or whether it's the LMDH, I really don't know. But yeah, it's the last track for me, which I really want to uh, do uh, in my career. And hopefully I can do it before I, before I retire, which is in hopefully many years. Yeah, now to wrapping this up, and. You've been Red Bull Racing Simulator driver for several years now. Yeah. How did you get that opportunity? Uh, I just... Uh, one of my friends was quite good friends with uh, Christian Horner. And I was working for Williams at the time, doing simulator work uh, for about two or three seasons as well. And there was an opportunity which came up at Red Bull, uh, what they needed, another simulator driver. So we just did all the all the assessments you know I think there's like three or four assessments which you have to go through to then get the get the job and uh, yeah you just tick them off one by one and if, if, if you're good enough and if you meet the criteria then, then you get the job you know and it, it worked out a good time for me um, I was obviously quite a bit more experienced than I was when I was at Williams so uh, it was yeah a good a good step forward and obviously led to some uh, some F1 testing, which was like a 
uh, a pleasant surprise. It wasn't really needed in terms of my career. Like I didn't ever see myself moving back into F1 or back to F1. Um, I, my goal was to was GTs at that point. You know, I was a, a fully fledged GT driver. So yeah, I knew my F1 career was over by that point. So it was just a nice way to enjoy a Formula One car with sort of no real pressure and no real expectation that I've got to try and go fast to try and get a Formula One seat because I knew it was never really going to happen. Yeah, but it was indeed a, a race winning car, the one you, you tested. Yeah, yeah, it was obviously the RB16 at the time, which is, yeah, you know, it was the second best car on the grid, so it was uh, incredible, like the, the amount of downforce which these cars can produce in this new era is just incredible. And to be able to experience that is something which I'll never forget because I really don't think the way the Formula One is going at the moment, like that the cars will ever be this fast ever again. And it's nice to say, even for me and Nick, that we we're probably gonna we've probably driven the fastest F1 cars ever made. And that's we're not Formula One drivers, but it's a cool thing to say. It's a it's a great experience to have, uh, just to take to your grave when you're when when we're old and grey. Uh, we can say that we've driven, yeah, the fastest ever real handmade machines. Yeah, and last one now, as part of the Red Bull team, how do you see the, the end of the Formula 1 season? <laughs> well, obviously I want Max to win. Uh, I really like, I really do want Lewis to get eight titles, uh, just so he can actually overtake obviously Michael Schumacher's record, um, because I don't think it's going to be easy, especially with the new uh, era coming out in 2023. But... I would love Max to try and yeah get the title uh, just because I think he deserves it. He has like he hasn't had the best car uh, to beat Mercedes over the past like four or five seasons now. So if he can win it, then great. And if not, then Lewis gets his eighth title, and I'm pretty happy. But yeah, it'd be nice for Red Bull to win the championship. But I'm pretty open on it to be honest. Uh, yeah, whoever wins is uh, has done the best job for sure. That's been it. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed it.